Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School podcast for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, also the Festival of All Saints observed on November 6th, 2022. And today we're building on last week's stories by looking at Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Now, last week we looked at two passages from Genesis, from Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. If you remember, at the start of Genesis 15, God tells Abraham that he will have a son, an heir from his own body. And following that passage, Abraham and Sarah who are still Abram and Sarai at that point, they, uh, they, they get impatient and decide that God needs help keeping his promise. And so um, with Sarai's approval, Abram sleeps with Sarai's uh, handmaiden Hagar, and Ishmael is born. However, while Ishmael will be a great man and, and, and God will give him many gifts and make him the father of, of 12 princes, as he says later on, Ishmael is not the son of the promise. So the Lord returns to Abraham in Genesis 17, renames him Abraham, renames Sarai Sarah, and declares that the child of the promise, Abraham's heir, will be born of Sarah. She will be the mother of kings. And along with that second visit and the renewal of that promise, God also institutes the sign of the covenant, circumcision, to mark all the men of the household as as his people, as a reminder to them, and as a sign to him. So following 1722, chapter 17, verse 22, where we left off last time, Abraham sets about and circumcises all the men of his household from eight-day-old infant boys up to the oldest. And then we arrive at Genesis chapter 18. And this is the third time that the Lord visits to renew his promise that Abraham and Sarah will have a son. This one follows quite quickly after the promise in in chapter 17. Remember, between the first time God promises and the second time God promises, between 15 and 17, 13 years have gone by. And when God promises in chapter 17 that Abraham will have a son through Sarah, Abraham laughs and tries to tries to say why don't why don't you keep your promise to Ishmael instead because he doubts the promise but God keeps his promise anyway and this time around it's it's uh it's time for Sarah to laugh at any rate um Genesis chapter 18 beginning at verse 1 and the Lord appeared to him to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. Probably just looking for some shade there at the door of his tent. He, Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. 
When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not let, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. All right, so Abraham, resting in the door of his tent, sees three men standing in front of him. Um, this is certainly the Lord. There's, there's a little bit of debate since there are three men there. This is the only time that a, a trio appears from heaven to visit any of God's people in Scripture. And as soon as we hear three, we start to think, well, this must be the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can't say that that's not the case. However, in 19 verse 1, when God continues toward Sodom and Gomorrah to see the wickedness there for himself, two of his angels enter the city. And since that follows directly after this account in Genesis 18, it's most likely that the three men here are the Lord himself and then two of his angels, the two who will enter the city to, to rescue Lot. Abraham sees them. He addresses uh, the, their leader as Lord right away. And he pleads with them to stop. Now, this is a, um, a kind of a standard of, of, of Near Eastern hospitality at the time. His address of the one as Lord indicates he, uh, he recognizes the one as his superior. He, he knows that he's dealing with, with, with heavenly visitors, with God and, and, and his angels at this point. He, uh, he proposes that they stop, that they, they wash their feet with water, which is a standard bit of hospitality, and also that, that they eat while, he is there, while they are there. And, uh, and he says, after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. Now, it, it sounds a bit like, like Abraham is kind of dictating what these visitors are supposed to do. You must come and stay, and after that, you can leave after you eat. This is, though, really just kind of an indirect show of hospitality. He's really saying, I am so pleased to be your host that I hope you will stay for a meal. Verse 6 continues, And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. So as these men consent to stay... It's not just for, for a snack, for a, a charcuterie plate or something like that. It's, it's a meal, a meal made from scratch. So, so Abraham instructs Sarah to, to make bread. He, uh, he, he runs to the herd and, and takes a calf and gives it to a young man to prepare. He prepares curds and milk and he sets, he sets the meal of, 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 of 
of beef and of, of, of curds and milk and bread before them. And then as the host, he's kind of also the, the waiter, the server. And so he, he stands and, and watches them while they eat. Again, a great, a great show of hospitality and respect by Abraham. Now, 18 verse 8 notes that they, they are under the tree while they eat. And this may be nothing or maybe something. Abraham is, uh, is camped at the oaks of Mamre, the great terebinth trees that were, opposed, that were uh, apparently there at, at the time. Um, however, here they're not called oaks. Rather, he is under a tree. And the reason I bring that up is, is the, uh, the word for tree. We've, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. The word for tree in Hebrew is pretty elastic in, in the Old Testament. It can mean both tree or the products of tree like lumber or, or wooden implements. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, um, the word for tree there is ets. Likewise, the, the wood that will be used for Isaac's near sacrifice is also ets. And the wood used for animal sacrifices, the tabernacle and temple throughout the Old Testament are also called ets. In the New Testament, the cross is also called an ets. Um, for instance, when, when Jesus is crucified, the prophecy is fulfilled from Deuteronomy, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree, on an etz. So throughout the Old Testament, whenever you hear the word etz, you think tree, you think lumber, and you might also think, is this, is this a, a foreshadowing of, of the cross, of, of, of Christ and his sacrifice? So this one is kind of vague, but, but it doesn't say that, that Abraham stands underneath an oak. He and, and his guests are underneath the ets. So this is taking place under the tree. And, and whether or not scripture intends it, it's probably helpful for us to keep in mind that, that all of this is part of God's plan for salvation. This visit to Abraham and, and subsequently God's journey with his angels to Sodom, this is, this is all leading us in the story towards Christ and his death for sinners in the New Testament. At any rate, we'll write that off to pious speculation, can't prove that one from scripture, so we won't insist that that's true, but it's, it's an interesting little rabbit trail. And we move on with the text here in Genesis 18. In verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, 
Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Interesting in verse 9 that, that they said to Abraham, Where is Sarah your wife? Now, again, with this Near Eastern hospitality, she would not be present at the meal as, 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 these, as Abraham ate with these, these male guests. They might well be aware, if they're just ordinary men, that he's married because he's, he's run off and told her to bake bread. There's no reason, for, however, for them to, to know her name. So as they say, where is Sarah, your wife? It's, um, it's an indication that, uh, that this is, in fact, God who knows all things visiting. For he knows not just that Abraham is married, but that he has a wife. And then the Lord says, repeats this promise again, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. So each time the Lord makes this promise, it gets a little bit more specific. First, it was in Genesis 15, a son. In Genesis 17, it will be Sarah will have a son. And now it's Sarah, your wife, shall have a son about this time next year. So after all these years of waiting... After all the years visited by doubt that God would ever keep this promise, now God gives a much more specific deadline. A year from now, Sarah will have a son. And of course, Abraham is about 98, 99 years old. He'll be 99 when Isaac is born. Sarah is in her 90s as well. And as verse 11 says, they're both old, advanced in years. The way of women has ceased with Sarah. Menopause is long, long past. And every year that, this, every year that goes by since the promise, the promise seems more unbelievable. The miracle would have to be more miraculous. So Sarah laughs to herself and she says, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, Shall I have pleasure? Um, really interesting question by Sarah. First off, after I am worn out, she she uh, she links her her worth with the possibility of of motherhood. Even even though she was barren, she still had the possibility for a long time of bearing children. But now that that is past, um, she said that she is she's worn out. Um, what, what, what use is she anymore? She also points out that her Lord, her husband, is old. In other words, is Abraham, 99-year-old Abraham, even capable of having sex and fathering a child? So after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Are we even able to, to, uh, to get together for sex and accomplish anything is, is what she's asking. And, and that word there for pleasure, 
talking about sexual pleasure is interesting because it's actually related to the word for Eden. All right, so, so now we have this, this, this view back to paradise before the fall where Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply. And here Sarah is saying, um, will we have that, that bit of pleasure that would remind us of the Garden of Eden? And can God really keep this promise? And her, the answer is, is that's, that's absurd. And so she laughs. In verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So the Lord wants to admonish Sarah, rebuke her for her, her doubts, her, her unbelieving laughter. He, he does it in the, in the Near Eastern way of, of, of not confronting her directly, but, but addressing her husband instead. And then he softens the rebuke by putting it in the form of a question. Rather than, than, than tell, tell her to cease and desist her unbelief, he simply says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then he makes the promise once again. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. So this is just a a marvelous comfort for you and for me because even though you and I are visited with doubt and we doubt God's promises and perhaps we even laugh at the thought of God keeping his promises, God rebukes us for a lack of faith and then he repeats his promises and he keeps them anyways. So when Sarah denies, God doesn't say, okay, I'll find another mother for Isaac. Instead, uh, the Lord declares that, that despite Sarah's doubts, he's going to keep his promise and she'll be a mother anyways. She will, uh, she will laugh with joy very soon. So verse uh, 15, actually, I guess to finish off 14, God repeats the promise. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15, but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. In other words, Sarah, I'm not keeping my promise because I didn't hear your laugh. I heard your laugh. I know your doubt, and I'm keeping my promise anyway. Now, Later on in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the uh, called the Hall of Faith chapter, uh, Sarah receives mention, not for her doubts, but for her faith. Hebrews 11 verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. So despite her doubts, Sarah believes. And the implication from Hebrews is although Sarah doubts the specific promise, she still trusts in the one who makes the promise. And I think there's great comfort for us too that, that even though we are, we are thrown off by individual trials and sufferings, 
and say, I don't know if God's going to come through for me this time, the Lord still preserves faith in him anyway. Um, and, and so because of that, we recover from our doubts uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit and still trust in him. And the Lord accomplishes his work uh, through his people as he so wills. So Hebrews 11 verse 12 goes on to say, Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So, despite the doubts, God worked faith in Abraham and Sarah God kept his promises, and the great nation of Israel began. But remember once again, both uh, Romans and Galatians, we spoke about last time, that the, uh, the people of Abraham, Abraham's family is not uh, just the, uh, his descendants who make up the nation of Israel, but in Galatians 3, Paul makes very clear that Abraham has another family, and that is all who share his faith, all who believe in Jesus. And so you and I are children of Abraham, and that we trust in the same Savior that he trusted in. We are among the stars in the, of the heavens and the grains of sand whom God has gathered into his kingdom. So, that concludes our quick look at this third visit of the Lord to tell Abraham and Sarah that they will in fact have a son, and very soon the child of laughter will be born. And in that rejoice, because here you hear and know that as God has made promises to you about his grace and life and salvation, that he will keep his promises even though you are afflicted by doubt and trouble along the way. And God grants you every good gift as you meditate upon this text further. God grants you every blessing if you're teaching this to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.